0: Hey guys. welcome to another episode of the Money Isn't Scary Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. Today on the show, I'm sharing my conversation with the amazing Amy Siegfried. Amy is an entrepreneur, a TEDx speaker, a podcast host, a mom, and an avid sports fan, among many other things. Amy and I found a lot in common very quickly, which is one of the reasons this conversation I think is so good. I do want to give you guys a quick warning, though, that the audio gets a little wonky early on in our conversation, but it's just for a few minutes. It does sort itself out, so please just bear with me and keep listening because there's so much good conversation to go. So here's a little bit about Amy. After seeing how the ability to talk sports gave her the upper hand as a woman in business, Amy and her brother Scott created last night's game to give their friends the same advantage. Last Night's Game empowers its readers to join the sports conversation, even if they don't know the first thing about sports. Her career has included working for a major league baseball team and in other male-dominated industries. A third-generation entrepreneur, Amy once flew around the world in 58 hours and 37 minutes, which is pretty cool, has lived internationally and is an, um, and is a master of small talk, bringing people together, and the handwritten notes. You can often find this married lady working with the entrepreneurship community nationwide and teaching her toddler about sports, food, and the other things he'll have to use to make small talk one day. So cool. In our conversation, we talk about raising kids as a working mom, which is a very hot topic on my mind these days, tips on how to keep your sanity as a working mom, the value of putting me time on the calendar, Amy's personal journey with money and lessons learned, the mindset shifts of being an entrepreneur, the power of having a support network, and so much more. You guys can follow Amy on Instagram at Night's game. You can also follow her on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and you can check out the website lastnight'sgame.com. Amy reads all of her messages and emails, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach her at amy at lastnight'sgame.com as well. She also has a podcast, which you can find on all of the major podcast platforms, where she goes in once a week and talks about what's going on in the world of sports with a human interest spin to it. All right, you guys, I'm really excited for this one. I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Megan, for having me. I'm happy to be here. So I wanna start by having you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your mission in the world.
1: So um, I'm the co-founder of last night's game and we are a sports driven lifestyle company. We cover sports for those who don't know a lot about them but need to have a conversation about them whether that's work, uh, a date, uh, a networking event which we're going to now. And, um, we do that through a podcast and a tri-weekly e-newsletter, as well as reader driven content on our website and our social media. So cool. I
0: think so much of that is important because people want to be able to feel like they can fit in and have
1: conversations with those around them. Right. And yeah. we're also busy that, you know, if you're a great sports fan, you might sit and watch ESPN all day long, or at least watch sports center for an hour. But most of us are so busy that we don't have time to do that. We need these, the snippets of what's happening in the world. But in an, for me, it's in a non-sporty way. I don't believe in box scores. I don't believe in talking all the jargon. I think the conversational sports are the stories, the human interests. That is what makes sports exciting. We're not going to sit around and say, well, did you know that Tom Brady threw four touchdowns yesterday? Like That's just not a, that's not how we all talk. And so we might say, well, did you know that Tom Brady came out with a A vegan cookbook, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's that's the stuff we're gonna talk about. We're not gonna talk about the four touchdowns, really. You're always gonna talk about a story around who Tom Brady is on the field and not necessarily what he does on the field.
0: Well, and I think that also pulls the human element out of all of it, rather than making it everything so black and white with numbers and scores and all of that. I think it's it's really cool. People want to hear those stories. They want to hear the, you know, supposed
1: superheroes like Tom Brady being a real person also. And I always joke that like, that's you having that human interest element to it also gives you an exit out of a really maybe awkward conversation. Um, I once had lunch with a guy um, in New York and he was a huge Red Sox fan. He'd moved to New York later on in life. And he kept going on about like the 1976 Boston Red Sox. And I'm thinking, I, I know, I really know nothing. I I wasn't alive at that point. I know nothing. And so it was sort of one of those, I'm trying to find the things that I know about Boston and was like, oh, did you know what? I, I think it's so funny when I went, when I was there for work, I, I ran by seven Dunkin' Donuts or whatever it was that I was trying to find that way out. And so that's yeah. that's sort of how I feel about talking about sports is you can talk about Tom Brady's cookbook, but then you can also then take that to, what do you like to cook? Do you like to travel? Do you like, you can take it to that lifestyle side that everyone can chime in at some point. And so uh, I, I that's how I look at it, that sports, It should just be a place to start a conversation it gives you an in with someone uh especially when that was my my one leg up when i was uh old now still but when i worked in baseball that was that was great for me because i knew enough about sports that helped me in all my other uh, facets of my life and as i grew in my career and that was like sort of that in that i needed to just join that conversation and, and and get over that hurdle of the the boys club if you will
0: I was just going to say, I think as women and culture, right, how we're taught that women tend to, t- women will struggle with this. And especially if you are, you know, like us, and we'll get into this in a second, women who are working in a predominantly male dominated industry, it is hard to find your way and to find, a, to be able to kind of make your way into a conversation and feel like, and feel confident in it too. Mm-hmm. So I love it. I think it's such a great idea.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about
1: how you started it and what inspired you? Sure. So when I was in college, I ended up landing an internship with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm an Arizona State University grad, go Sun Devils. And I I obviously had a roommate at that point, because that's what you do in college. And I took her to a game and the, the guys were running off the field. And she said, well, why are they running off the field? And I said, well, they have three outs. And she said, well, what's an out? And I realized that she grew up in a household with, with all girls and that's completely fine. Everyone, she's the one who taught me about blueberries. I didn't know they existed till I met her. And so besides in muffins. And so yeah, everyone has their talents that they bring to the world. And for me, it was like, okay, I need to help her in, in terms of she, I want her to understand the sport. So she's able to have that conversation kind of like we talked about. And so I, I called my brother who is really the reason I know everything I know about sports. And he's also my co-founder. And said to him we need to figure out how to cover sports for people who don't really care but need that at work they need that in so how let's let's figure out how to do that and, and, and he as he nicely said he was in high school by the way he says well i'm in high school at the time and uh and you're working 80 hours a week so not sure how this works and that that was before all the email blasts all the make your own website stuff existed and so we sort of tabled it and when I moved back uh, back to the States from Singapore, I moved right at Thanksgiving time and no one was hiring because you know no one hired between the holidays. And so when he came for Thanksgiving, I said, what do you think about this, that idea we had? What if we just started it? I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how we do it, but I'll figure it out. And so we did. And we started off with this really ugly email that went out to family and friends with a link to a website page that had the, the write-up on it. And it started out kind of sporty, and we've slowly tweaked that to really be uh, sports and pop culture. That's really what it is, where they kind of unite. So things like the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest for Fourth of July is fantastic. The Olympics are great. Absolutely. You know, Super Bowl is so much about all the other stuff. It's not about the game, and so that's really how we we look at the human interest side of sports and cover that side of sports. And so that's what's morphed into from this. Gmail email that went out that I had to cut and paste everybody's names in individually once upon a time to where we are today. So it's been, a, it's been quite a journey. It's been a great journey. And I think we're continuing, we continue to be fueled by people who say you helped me. I did this, or I love being able to talk to my son about this, or I can now talk to my boss about this. And so that's what I really love is that is to see that the people are really uh, creating, seeing the value in it, and seeing it, it make the connections in their life, and helping them make connections in sales meetings and things like that. Which, you know, I, I really when I started, someone once said they said to me, "Oh, well, you're sports for dummies," and I said, no, "No, no, no, not dummies, because everybody is good at their own thing. There's a lot of things I don't know a lot about that I'm going to learn from someone. But this is giving the part, the way that people want to approach sports, giving them the human interest story, giving them the pop culture angle." If it's on people.com, we want to know about it. And so it's putting that in there where it, it continues to hit people on different interest levels that are not just sports, solely sports.
0: And I love that it was born out of a desire to support one another. And mm-hmm. I just think that is such a great way to a great business model, a great philosophy, a way, way to start something like a movement, basically, because you're not in this for you. You're in this for other people and you want to support somebody else and, and lift them up. And that's what, that I think is my mission. And that's the goal, I think, for so many of us out there that we want to just to hold somebody's hand and raise them up and make them better at what they're doing. So I think that's yeah. such a cool way to form a company like
1: this. I was gonna say really, You know, it's one of those, I think you and I probably grew up in, in the business world that the very few women you encountered were not necessarily very nice. Yes. And I, you're seeing this. The, and I think because of that, I want to pick up anybody I can take with me and let's go, let me empower you. And I think you're doing the exact same thing is we've been in those situations where it's, it's women versus women. It's not us trying to all grow together. It's yeah. I worked hard to get here or I'm going to fight you for this. And it's, it's very uh, cutthroat and, I don't, I, I, I see that going away more and more, you know, granted, I'm not in the corporate world anymore, but uh, even going through my my MBA program uh, the last year, over the last 18 months, everyone picked each other up. It's the greatest group of women I've I've I had a chance to hang out with in a long time. And so it's fantastic to see that these successful, amazing women are picking each other up and going to get forward together. And that's what I think, you know, that's the philosophy you and I both uh, abide by because I, I don't see why I should penalize someone for the work I put in to get here. I think we all have stepped on the shoulders of somebody else. And so let's all work together to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you're spot on. I mean, working in a financial services industry for me, especially starting out, I mean, my first boss um, at my first job was a woman and I was terrified of her and she was, it just, it just, she was a nice person, but I think it was that being, it was that culture at the time that you felt like, as a woman, you had, you had to almost overcompensate in terms of power or worth, I guess, and to be competitive with the boys. And and I think the culture of the industry also comes has so much kind of underlying competition there anyway. So I love that I, I agree. I think there is starting to be a shift in terms of support in that way. And I think women, instead of we can actually let our true selves come out, which you know for me, it's naturally going to be a softer approach, a more of a mentoring and coaching approach rather than this competitive kind of one-up environment. And so the more that I kind of, I try to be myself out there and with the podcast and in my day-to-day job, and, I, and you are too. And I think the more you see that happening, the better it's going to be for the next generation.
1: Absolutely. I absolutely agree.
0: So yeah, I guess what has your experience been like? You said you worked with Major League Baseball before. I'm curious how you got into that. And then what your experience has been your personal journey with this ups and downs and in, in the corporate world and how you decided you wanted to stop doing that and move into working for yourself.
1: Well, I mean, the, the, truly the, the baseball, I mean, I always loved sports. And, and the reason I, like I said, I, I know so much about sports is my brother. He played every single thing imaginable and he's still my go-to. And I have questions that are what's that guy doing why is he wearing that what is this team doing tonight that's he's still my go-to and i I encourage everyone to have that go-to i think that they we all need that person to ask those questions too and i think what i found out too about sports is people are willing to answer the questions Uh, it's not a you're dumb you don't know this it's oh well you know more about this than i do so let me learn from you and uh so but that i really truly jumped into sports and, and found what I wanted to do, I mean, do? from a speaking engagement on campus. Yeah, at so, so my, my boss, boss, my, my student boss, boss, boss came boss in and talked, and talked about, about, about her work, work in the community relations department, relations department, department. department. and yeah, I was, a amazing. Amazing. and it was sort of that, that aha moment uh-huh. that we've all had someone uh-huh. that, the she came in to talk to us and talked about what she did. And I went, this is what I want to do with my life. This is what I want to do. And I didn't even I know that. And so obviously it was my, classes, my junior year of college, college. the summer. And then I was hired on after my internship. And I just I loved it. I loved the connections. I loved the sport. I loved all the things and um it it was I it was a great it was a great experience for me. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't a lot of money, a lot of, and a lot of, hours. A lot of hours, yeah. And so, so I moved on to other things. And luckily for me, I got a great job great. doing the same thing, branching out. And I was at the time obviously um, opening uh, community relations activities for uh, big education companies in Chicago. And so I was really, I really able to them. dive into those things um, to grow my career. And so. so we kind of walked along the way to, we moved to Singapore, my, my, my husband and I moved to Singapore and not knowing anything. And this is kind of where my, my, my financial, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Vulnerabilities came in because when we moved, we weren't married. We weren't even engaged. Everyone thought it was, um, uh, but I didn't mind to move. Um, I'm, you're taking the big step to ask me to go with you. And so I don't need a ring. You can, you can shore yourself up when you're, when you're ready. And which I guess made him more nervous than me. I'm just saying, I need a ring. Um, but when we got there, I didn't have a work visa. So I had to find a job, um, there. And so I went on his work visa, but I also meant I had no job. I had no income. Uh, I rented my house out. So there was that. So I had that income coming in but I had to share a credit card. I had to use, share a bank account, all those things that um, I wasn't used to. You know, it started off like, hey, can I go get groceries today? Because I didn't know how to handle this. And he was like, please don't ask me if you can buy groceries, like, that's fine. You know, can I buy a pair of shorts? Don't ask me if you can, like, it's fine, you know, but it's, it's that weird, we don't know how to handle that. When we've earned our money, our own money for so long and uh, the really interesting thing about the way Singapore works is there, are if you're on a dependent pass, which you get, if you're married, which I did not have, you can only make an over like, to, to a certain amount of money because they want to save jobs for Singaporeans. If you earn, if you're on your own, you have to earn over a certain dollar amount because they don't want you to, to utilize their systems in place. So you have to make a, a good enough salary to basically pay for yourself. And so that was really interesting. It took me nine months to find a job that met that threshold because a lot of the things I was applying for or getting hired for were the things in that dependent pass range where we were not. And so it was this really interesting nine months of, you know, my, my, my mom, my mom just retired. And so I told her that was kind of my like random retirement because, you know, that's every day your, your actions and what you did for the day or your accomplishments look a little different. So. It was a very interesting test on, on um, just learning how to, to. It's very weird to be dependent on someone. It's just I was never taught to be that way, and still don't really like to operate that way. And so, it it, it was it was a challenge. But that's sort of the, the story that led me into. As we moved from Singapore, we moved back to the U.S. And obviously, that's where last night's game came from. But um, I'm from a third gener- I'm a third generation entrepreneur. I've always seen my my dad and my my grandfather go out and work hard. And um, that's kind of where I, I, I got that from. I mean, I really learned just that I'm really good at the hard work and really good at the, the dive in. I did uh, I did event planning, event planning business in Phoenix for a while. And I just, I love that. I'm happy just to go, you know, hardcore event week and not sleep and just push through and work hard. And so um, it's same, same now. even though I don't have to plan events, same idea as an entrepreneur. And as a mom, like you just go all in and you figure it out. And so that's, that's kind of what led me here. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So how has, how has becoming a mom changed things for you? How has it changed the, um, the way you approach work? And I guess this is such a loaded question (laughs) and we could talk about it for a long time, I think, because I struggle with this too. I struggle with, you know, there's an identity in, in our culture, we form a portion of our identity and as to what we do for work. And then when you become a mom, I feel like there, that's another identity crisis where you're like, who am I and what am I doing? And so I'd love to hear how that has changed you and how you approach your work
1: as well. So it's interesting when, when I um, started telling people I was pregnant uh, I had one person say to me, well, how are you going to raise two babies at the same time? You have this company and you're going to have a baby. How are you going to do that? And I said, well, I don't know, but like everything else, I've, I'll just figure it out. That's, that's how we operate. And I, I mean, the amount of questions that I that I had where people say, well, how's having a baby going to impact your career? And I said, I don't know. Why don't you ask my husband how it's going to impact his career? Like, this is just mm-hmm. not a fair question and that's whether it. we like it or not, um, in so many cases, you become that primary parent as the mom, and you know I've am really lucky I have a great I have a great husband. And in COVID, I mean, really, truly, he didn't travel, and I did. I traveled out of state for school every other weekend, and so um, I'm really lucky to have that support. And for me, it was having a child. I think you you would just want to make sure that obviously they're taken care of, and but I also want him to see. What like what a working mom looks like. I had a working mom, and I'm not saying those who don't work is 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 bad. That is not at all a thing because I think it, once again it takes all of us to make the world go round. Somebody's gonna make a really nice. I'm not a baker. Someone's gonna make a really nice cupcake for their kid's birthday party, and I'm gonna go buy them from the grocery store. And me too. They're not. You know, it's. It, it. I think they need to learn about everything and everyone. There's all kinds of all kinds of people that make our lives complete. Um, and so, um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought a little bit, but um, being a mom, I think it's so important to, to show your child the independence. I think that was one thing for me. Um, I, I hate from the work perspective and I, I don't like the word hate, but I, I hate trying to figure out how to, do you answer this email or do you go play cars? And sometimes that, that struggle is, is much more apparent than others. And I mean, we're, we're just finished body training. I mean, it's the point where the, I've been on conference calls where he's just mad that I'm not paying attention to him. And he pees on the floor. I mean, those are all real life things that happen. All
0: the time. That happens, And,
1: and <laughs> yeah. so that's all part of it. And I think there's that, that there's no such thing as balance. I try to do the best that I can, that I get up super early and I work in the morning till, till my husband gets up until my son gets up. I get everybody together out the door get us, you know, on our way to school and I come back and I just plug in as long as I can. And because of uh, COVID and other things, the school gets out at two 30. So I get till two 30. So I just bust my butt. And it's hard because sometimes you, you know, you have a meeting or something and that takes up your actual functional work time. And as everyone knows, those meetings. Sometimes they're not that exciting, but, um, you know, I think it's all that. It's just trying to figure out that balance. And and for me, I front load everything I can on the front end of my week, and that leaves my Thursday and Friday to execute things, to do things like chat with you. And I'm able to do that where the the, the front load front loading the week just it's stressful, but it it works well for me. And um, I try to as best as I can from that when I pick him up from school till after he goes to bed to be available. Maybe I'm doing house stuff and. Dishes or laundry or whatever that might be, but I'm also just trying to be as present as I can to be there with him doing what he's doing. So, it's it's a crapshoot if we're honest. I mean, every yeah. it's 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 challenging to um, say the least.
0: Oh, I thousand percent agree. And every day is its own journey. I feel like for me, mm-hmm. emotionally and personally, professionally, everything. And it's like I I have to be like. I try as hard as I can to be present in whatever I'm dealing with at the time, Mm -hmm. but there's those times when, you know, after school and the kids are home and I'm home, I'm working from home with them where I'm just not, I mean, I'm trying to answer emails, but they're also screaming downstairs or they're, you know, right out, right outside the door, or they're even literally right next to me throwing things. And those are moments where I think I tend to get the most overwhelmed when I can't I just don't have the ability to focus on one thing all at once. Mm -hmm. So I I like your idea of, you know, getting up at whatever hour you can just to give yourself a couple hours of peace and sanity, I guess, to be able to focus on one thing instead of always being multitasking, because the more often that you do that, I feel like that, that leads to burnout quicker. And that's what we want to avoid. I think as working moms, um, and so, I'm curious what some of your maybe tips are for not feeling that overwhelm. I just actually did a podcast episode on overwhelm, and because I've been feeling it a lot lately, and I wanted to learn more about it myself and just what happens in the body and what it actually means. I mean, it's overwhelm is a sign of anxiety. So, it's mm-hmm. and it can be triggered by a, um, a lot of things happening all at once. And it's it's maybe, you know, we, we might get good at juggling and, maintain, and and figuring out what we have to do to get through the day. But then you layer on, you know, a number of different things outside of that, like life, life changes, anything that's going on that you can't control. And I think that tends to escalate things. So I wanted to talk through that a little bit more. And I'm curious what your thoughts and and are on that and how you move, how you work through it.
1: Well, I'd say the first thing is early on in my career, uh, I had a schedule that was full because I did community outreach and foundation work. You're always at an event. You're always doing something. You're always meeting someone for something. And I just got to the point where I was overwhelmed and that was just me as a single person. But I started putting me time on my calendar. So let's say Wednesday nights, I think I went through my calendars reserved Wednesday nights and I put me time on there and that at that point, that's it. when I went to schedule something on Wednesday night. I'd say, is this person more important than me? And sometimes the answer was yes because they were your boss or whatever it might be, and you would do that. But some, most of the time it was no, and that mental check of is this person more important than me was a, was a game changer for me. So that was kind of starting to train myself to say no. And so I've, as I've gone through my career, I've become much better at saying no because when i'm saying yes to someone else i'm probably saying no to myself especially now uh, you know as i mentioned i went through an 18 month executive mba program and that was a lot there's no there's no you time i mean or very little then like i said the nice part of covid was we were home so for the most part minus the travel and so that was i was able to get up and work out or do those things spend some time with my husband at lunch and my son because we were all home. So let's all have lunch together, that kind of thing. But uh, I I try really hard to keep that workout time. That is something I try. I'm not always great at. And sometimes it's throw, throw my three-year-old in the stroller and go for a walk, whatever it is. But that's that mental break of just some time for you. Maybe you listen to a podcast. Maybe you, I go jump on our Peloton and do a 30 minute ride. And sometimes it's just, I cruise. I sometimes don't even really work that hard. And that's okay. It's still that 30 minute of just moving. And so I would say those, those things help really keep my sanity and and really having the unabashedly to say, no, say no. I mean, I think that's really, you know, we coming out of COVID, we all want to see our friends. We all want to do those things. And sometimes you just have to say, no, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed this week. And most, I, I think every mom gets that Uh, every mom understands that most humans understand that, you know, I, I, I used to love having a full schedule and there was nothing that made me more excited than sitting down with my husband and looking at our calendars and what we're going to be doing, what's happening. And we did that last week. And I finally said, we got to December and I said, I'm going to have a panic attack. There's Mm -hmm. so much going on. We have so many weddings. We have three open weekends until the end of the year. And so I, I it was a lot for me. And that it's just, okay, let's take it one step at a time. And that's also, I would say my next big thing is sometimes it's so people are all about goals and big pictures and all those things are great, but sometimes you just need to look at your calendar for the day and say, what are the five things I can check off my to-do list? My to-do list used to be 25 items long and that's not achievable in a day. So I was basically failing every day. And so I picked those five things that I really need to do today And if I get to other things, I consider that a big win, but most of the time it's, it's picking those few key things that are urgent and important. And I, the is, I think we all confuse important with urgent and just because something's important, doesn't mean it's urgent. Yeah. So those are kind of my tips on just trying to keep your, your sanity and make yourself feel like you're a success every day.
0: Yeah. I, I, you hit on so many good ones. I think for me, and I say this a lot when I, when I'm in it every day and I'm moving through and I'm kind of completing like small task after small task and uh, that's like, I'm good. I'm good. But it's when I take a step back and I, and I look at the big picture or somebody asks me like, how do you do it? How, I don't know how you put it, how how you manage it all. Or is, is, when I get a comment like that, it triggers me. And that's when I'm like, oh my God, I think that's when I st- start to get really overwhelmed and like, I don't know how I'm doing this. I have no idea, mm-hmm. but I am doing it and you mm-hmm. may not realize that, right? So, and I think that, that that's something key to notice that like that you've got to compartmentalize it and put it into little tiny, like the smaller mm-hmm. the steps, the better, because that helps me to feel like I'm, like I'm making progress and I'm, and, and it's really just like taking the big picture and making it very small. And that's
1: just the world that I have to live in right now. Well, it's kind of like um, you, you really like to focus on one thing. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's the same concept, right? We're really just focusing we're we're holding on today versus let's conquer the year. No, let's just, let's just conquer today. Right. Maybe even right. just this afternoon. That's totally fine just to, to, segment it that way.
0: Right. Exactly. And, and you also touched on, you know, you got to say no to things. I mean, boundaries is so key here. And for me, I have always struggled with boundaries because I always put everybody else's needs ahead of myself. That was just how I grew up. I watched my mom do it. And I think, again, we're just cultured and we, this is what we learned. And that's just how we, how we naturally operate by default, but it takes work. And you, and the one thing that was really helpful for me is that when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Mm -hmm. And yourself, yeah, exactly. And you just said, right. Is, is this person more important than me? And so this is just another way of thinking of it like that. And that's how, how I tend to do it. Like if I'm saying yes to this, then I'm, then what I'm doing is saying like, okay, if I say yes to this meeting, then I'm saying no to being with my kids for dinner. I'm saying no to going for a run or doing something that's going to make me feel good or just make me feel like energized to be Mm -hmm. able to keep going. Right. And so it's, it's just a trade-off. And I think that's really important to think about also just not like there is no black and white. I think, you know, if we, a lot of times we, as women, it's either this it's this, or it's that it's all, or it's nothing. And for me, I'm a runner. And I always used to think of it. If I couldn't go out for a four mile run, then it just wasn't worth it. And Mm -hmm. And lately, just even in the last couple of weeks, things have started to shift for me where it's been hot and for, I've been crazy busy during the days and I just don't have the time to get out for a four mile run. That's that's a commitment. And what I've been doing instead is in the mornings after you know, I get the kids dressed and they will watch a little TV before we go, I'll go downstairs in the in the basement and I'll run a mile on the treadmill. I'm there for, you know, seven, eight, nine minutes, whatever it is. And I'm just doing the bare minimum that I can to make myself feel good and feel like I can like now, okay, now I'm good. Now I have the energy to like, I got that out. Right. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I would feel, I would just feel grouchy and angry. And and (laughs) I think I would just be almost bitter. Right. I mean, resentful, resentful, I think at, at the world. And I think, also that's when you get into this place where, you know, I feel like I compare myself to other people. And if that other person, that mom down the street, isn't going through the exact same thing as me, then they must have it easier because Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not, they don't have to juggle everything that I have to juggle. It's such a mindset thing. And that's what I'm learning. It's so much that victim mentality can happen. We can spiral into that as working moms and it's all in our heads and it's all in our control. We can change that.
1: Well, I say, and that's, I think the one thing I would also just add on to that is your tribe is so important. I, I mean, they truly, they say you, it, it takes a village, to raise a child and it's true, but it takes a village to raise an adult. I think yeah. women that I have that have somehow fell into my life. I'm, um, I mean, I was bullied in grade school. So like I didn't, apparently didn't have any friends. And so I, I maybe that, that furthered me to have these great friends in my, later in my life. So I'll, I'll take it. But I I mean, that's so important. I had a girlfriend who just stopped by for five minutes just to say hi and, and grab a quick cup of coffee. And it was, it's just so nice to hear someone come in and just, just, just to have someone who just, you can share a story with or You can swap the fact that you had a crappy morning or whatever it is. And I think that that takes away some of that victim mentality too, for me, because I'm seeing what they're all challenged with. I'm seeing what they're all struggling with and we're not anywhere close to all the same. And so I think it's really, to me, it's really important. And that's kind of where that working mom versus stay at home bat mom battle that happens so often that's to me doesn't exist in my world because I see the challenges everybody's faced with and they're all different and they all stink. Let's be honest. Yeah. You know, when no one's sleeping eight hours a night and you know, waking up and all the laundries and all the things and, and, right. uh, you know, So I think it's so important to surround yourself with a group of powerful women who are not like you, but maybe you all have some things in common, obviously to be friends, but to really open yourself up to share some of those vulnerabilities that you're having in your day. And I think that's, we, we kind of talked about, that's why we both do what we do now is let's share our vulnerabilities because if we're having them, someone else is. And so I just look at that, that female tribe and I'm really lucky to have some locally, I'm lucky to have some all over the country they keep me sane. And some, sometimes you just need to text someone that your husband sucks. That's all, you know, (laughs) totally. Totally. Yeah. And
0: it's hard to find sometimes. I think that is a, is a challenge for some women because, you know, maybe you've moved or maybe you're, you know, you don't have the same, like you're, you're not in the same place where you were in high school or college. And, you know, maybe maybe you are a mom, but your other friends aren't parents yet. So it's hard sometimes to just find that tribe, but it's so important to keep looking for it and to keep going because we can't be isolated. And I feel like the last year has been so hard on people and has, I think we're making it harder on ourselves by thinking that we can do it all and we can do it all by ourselves. And we do need that support, whether it literally is just like stopping by at somebody's house and just saying, Hey, how are you doing? Mm -hmm sending a text of just checking, you know, Hey, just, just checking in. I know that you live three hours away, but just want to see how you're doing. And let's have a phone call. I mean, I feel like phone calls are something that people just don't do enough anymore. And there's so much that can be for me. I'm somebody who I learn and I, I get my energy through being around other people and yes. having conversations. And I know that enough about myself. Not everybody is like that but it's so important for me. And when I don't have that, I can tell That's that
1: that to follow into those like being your authentic self, like just really, I mean, I think I struggled for so long trying to be this thing. And as I've gotten older, I've just continued to be my authentic self. Yeah. And that's where this tribe came from because it got rid of all the people who I was just trying to pretend I was there for. I, we had in common and it really has opened up the doors to people who are, who truly love you for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, when we grow up, we think that we've got, you know, if we have the most friends or we have the biggest group of friends, then we're th- like, we're succeeding, right. Then we're that puts us at a, at a different level. But <laughs> nowadays it's like, if I have like two friends, cool. That's Great. all I need right now. I just need two people that I can talk to about literally anything. And mm-hmm. that's all that matters. So it doesn't matter. I mean, it's amazing how you, your world changes. If you just talked about being yourself and authenticity, I mean, if you feel like you have to play a role in somebody's life, then that's not being authentic. That's not fulfilling or purposeful for either side, because you're both kind of faking it until you make it. Right. So it's not that those are the relationships that are not worth continuing, I think, or just not, are just not worth just be, being a part of your time or wasting your time on because our time is so precious these days.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so switching gears a little bit, and you touched on this earlier, but I want to just talk for a few minutes on your experiences with money and those core beliefs. You did talk a lot about when you were in Singapore and and some stuff that that came up for you around money when you were kind of in between jobs, but I'd also love to hear more about some of those beliefs that have come up, and then and then what happened when you went to start your own business? What, how, how did that, because that I feel like is, is personal growth on steroids. And that there's a huge challenge that the challenge is moving through that um, place where you're getting a solid paycheck to, okay, now I have to, it's almost like a a worth thing. Now somebody has to, I'm telling somebody else what they pay me, Mm -hmm. what they should pay me or how much I'm worth. So I'd love to talk more about that and what you've
1: how things have shifted for you over time. Well, it's it's, it's interesting because I I truly don't think, you know, I, I mentioned to, to, to you that my mom is in, pri- in private wealth management. So she was always that person who handled our, our money. She handled all the financial things. I think it was probably 15 or so years ago, maybe 20. She made me a binder that talked about what a Roth IRA is, mm-hmm. what's an IRA and it was so helpful. And that's part of the reason I actually went back to get my MBA is because I was a journalism major. I didn't, I didn't know a lot about, I, I, I obviously was incorporated in business. I've been in executive positions in business, I've been running my own business, but I felt really inept at what does that, what does some of this look like? I don't quite understand it. And so that was sort of my challenge to myself to take something that, uh, was very numbers based. I was always that person who said, I'm not good at math. Yeah. I'm just not good at the right kind of, or that kind of math, whatever it might be. Like everyone's got their own same thing, right. Kind of math, whatever that might be. And so that was my challenge to push myself. And so that was, I think my mom was always really seeing her sort of be in charge of a lot of that. My dad obviously ran his own business, but seeing her set that, that tone of, She was really the one that you said, well, what do you think about this stock or whatever that is, or I, whatever, all the things, all the financial questions went to her. And so I would also say, but that's not my area of expertise because she did it right. I didn't have to go out and figure it out for myself. So that was always, always a very interesting uh, pull on one way or the other. And, but when starting your own business, it's so, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I I don't know how to say that, but that you're, we bootstrap and we still bootstrap. We're still taking whatever we earn and it goes right back into the company. Um, my brother works full-time elsewhere. So he, um, neither of us receive a paycheck. We put it all back into the grow the business. And that is a challenge in its own right. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm relying on someone else to help pay the bills. And so, and I'm not doing that. And that is like, that is a painfully, that's a pain point in my house. It's scary. And it's scary. It's very scary. And I mean, so much so that part of the reason I went out to get an MBA as well was because I want to teach. I want to go back and teach entrepreneurship, teach in business. And obviously that's a great side compliment to what I'm already doing and have a a steady, have tell someone what you're, have someone tell you what you're worth, but also give you a steady paycheck. Uh, So that is a challenge. I also learned that I'm not meant to be our accountant. That is something I started doing at all. And I thought, you know what, when we're screwing with the IRS, um, I'm, not, I'm not willing to roll the dice on that. So I figured out how to, to utilize QuickBooks. And that was important to me to then hand that off to someone who is, who is better at that than I am. And that's okay. And say, here, this is your area of expertise. Please make sure that I'm crossing my T's and dotting my I's and that we're compliant. Can I change the way I'm working things to be, more, to be smarter on a tax side? I think that's overall in a, running a business is you can't be the expert in everything and you need to listen to other people. We, as founders, we get so down this rabbit hole of what our company should look like, what it should do, how you want to operate. And that's not always good for us. That's, that's not always the right way to go because your lawyer, your accountant, um, maybe somebody in the marketing, your friend who's in marketing might have some great ideas and they may not be exactly what you thought you would be doing or thought of the path you wanna take your business but listen to them because there's a lot of great feedback out there and people want to help you. And so I would say that that's, that, that's kind of my, my journey with money as it comes to being a founder and how you want to be able to do this. If I was single and doing this, I would be doing a different way. I wouldn't be putting as much money into the business to grow it. And that's just as, that would be a decision I'd have to make and be able to pull off of it. And that's, that's everyone's situation is different. And I think that goes back to the victim mentality or whatever we were, to, you know, what we were talking about is everyone's situation is different just because, you know, my, my, my mortgage is paid. Doesn't mean that I work any less hard than the person who's trying to, to drive, to make sure that their, their mortgage is met. It's all, it all is the same. And we're all hustling. We're all doing the best that we can to make sure that that, that happens. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a decision that, like I said, that we made to, to further our business. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's so much you need to think about. And I think there is, again, like the mindset comes into play. It's so important. And there's a lot of times where you just ignore some of those stories and some of those thoughts that you have because you just have to power through it. But I think it's important to also acknowledge that some of the fears and the scary things that come up, because that's how you move through them. you are always going to be afraid. And I think that's healthy. But I think it's also important to acknowledge where it's coming from so that it, it doesn't impact you know, potentially some some longer term decisions. And I just mean, like, you know, for you personally or for the business, but it's stuff that is so universal. And I think it's a really it's such an important thing to to bring up and to acknowledge for yourself anyway that when these when you start to feel something uncomfortable or you don't know what you're doing and there are fears that like let's figure out where this is coming from and mm-hmm. um, and if it's even real even if, if it's even my story to begin with and maybe it was something that you were taught or that you, know, you learned from growing up from your parents or from just culture. Mm-hmm. again culture tells us that, that we should stay small and be safe our brains want to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. So
1: where is it coming from and is it valid? Absolutely. That is absolutely true. And, um, I listened to a speaker once he talked about, uh, especially in, in entrepreneurs or growing businesses, you had the, um, Eminem and Kid Rock were both from a very, very close proximity to each other. And they were both two different models, right? We all know the Eminem eight mile story where he hustled and made it that way. He made it, made himself famous by hustling and to get to where he needed to be, where Kid Rock was from a family that, you know, was, was, he wasn't hustling like, like Eminem was, if you will. And so, but there two totally different situations, both totally successful musicians. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just really interesting that everyone's journey looks a little different and we just have to embrace what that person's journey is. And, and some people aren't able, to, aren't, you know, are, are doing their, growing their business while working full-time doing other things. And yeah. so it's important to figure out, or not to figure out, but it's important just to embrace what everybody's dealing with and how they're going through it too. And like you said, kind of a, from a personal standpoint, understanding where that comes from too.
0: Yeah. And that is all part of self-compassion too. It's, I think self-compassion is like a key, like component that is just overarching all of it. I think that brings up that common humanity. It allows us to think that, you know, we're not alone here. Everybody, Mm -hmm. we're all in this together. Um, Everybody's doing it a different way and that's okay too. There's no, it kind of eliminates, I think that like one-upping and competitiveness that we sort of talked about earlier. Awesome. So as we start to wrap up, um, I, I have one more question for you. If you could leave the audience with
1: one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh gosh, that's, that's, uh, I would, I would go back to that, uh, kind of touching on that. Say no. I mean, I think there's something really spectacular about sometimes you have to say, no, honey, you gotta go. You've got to go watch Sesame street. I really need to do this. Um, You need to say no to dinner engagements, whatever that might be, but don't feel guilty for doing what you need to do for you. Uh, Someone once told me that um, it's the oxygen mask scenario on an airplane, right? Put your oxygen mask on first in order to further everybody else. And especially as women, we're so um, ingrained in helping other people first and putting ourselves last. And I can't say I'm, I'm perfect at it. Absolutely not. But I do sometimes those days where I remind myself, you know what? 20 minutes of Sesame Street isn't going to kill anybody. I watched a lot of Sesame Street. Yeah. So <laughs> Street Why I empty the dishwasher or whatever that might be. Like I, I think we need to mem- remember that you're, you need to say yes to yourself sometimes and take care of you because a successful or whatever that success looks like for you but that that feeling of success for you is going to further everybody in your household and you being happy and fulfilled is going to fulfill everybody else in your household and in your life. So just remember that you need to take care of you, put your oxygen mask on first, and then you can take care of everybody else who needs your oxygen mask on later. I
0: love it. I love it. It's so important. Thank you. So please tell everybody how they can find you and follow the work that you're doing.
1: Uh, you can follow us uh, on Instagram at last night's game. And I, I do my life in the stories. So feel free to enjoy that and in, enjoy my flaws of, of the world that I live in. Uh, we're at lastnightsgame.com. We're also on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. So you can just about find us anywhere. And of course, I always, I read all of our DMS. I read all of my emails. So if anybody has any questions or concerns or whatever that might be, um, I can be reached at Amy at last And you have a podcast too, right? Oh, we have a podcast. Thank you for that. Yes, we also have a podcast uh, once a week. It's about a five to six minute podcast about what's happening in the world of sports without human interest spin. And you can find us at Sports Curious and we are on all the major platforms that your podcasts are on.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Amy. It's been such a pleasure talking with you.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.